alive and considering doing this podcast twice a week because it's a thing to do huh it's the vocal minority podcast twice a week i can barely get everyone here once a week what are you talking about man hey guys i, I can't do twice a week it's okay neither can tony or duncan All right. Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Vocal Minority Podcast. The podcast that at least attended one soccer match together this year. It was nice. It was nice. Nice. It was rare, but it was nice. Nice. Maybe we'll make a return next year. Who knows? (laughs) Um, On this week's episode, uh, we talk a lot of CanCon because... There's lots to talk about. Uh, get into some FIFA madness and try to figure out what's gone wrong with TFC. So that's like two hours. Just set that aside. Um, now to this week's panel. Uh, editor extraordinaire, welcome to Mark Hinckley. Uh, I do stuff, you know. You, you do lots of stuff. Yeah. Editing Tony's track from last week took uh, took like 20 minutes. So, uh, he's not going to listen to this, but fuck your track, Tony. Honestly, what do you go for? T- where do you disappear to for 25 minutes? Explain that to me. It is the not weirdest Zoom's goddamn fault. Thing. Why would it be Zoom's fault? Anyway. <laughs> uh, dear listeners, please give a warm VMP welcome, making his return <gasps> as super sub. Say hello to gentleman James Grossi. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Yes. Uh, thanks for the uh, the warm welcome. And yeah, it's been uh, it's been far too long. Uh, Way Can't too long. On that we did. But yeah, it's been a it's been a strange year and a half, two years ish sort of thing. I think we're all sort of surviving and getting by, but I'm I'm really excited to be back with you guys and uh, to dig into all the various facets of Canadian and world soccer. Excellent. James, can um, I just can I just say yes. that with that intro alone that you just said, you've classed up the joint, right? You've practically <laughs> undone all the declassing it, that those other two who aren't here, spoiler, uh, would do on a yearly basis. So thank you, thank you. I think for- it's I think it's I think it's the dulcet tones. I I really do. I am so comforted. It's unbelievable. Seriously. I know it's like being, it's like, it's like being hugged. James, James, <laughs> give me, give me personally some bad news. Just go on. Mark, I'm afraid there's been an accident. Sounds delightful. How's that? <laughs> Sounds <laughs> amazing. Um, as Mark alluded to, or just said straight out, uh, yeah, Tony and Duncan are both slackers this week. So, uh, you know, they'll probably be back next week. Um, as for me, uh, wishing I was, I had bought tickets for Edmonton, but cannot attend such as life. Uh, that is all right. More tickets for the rest of you. I am your host, Kristen Knowles, and now to our show. Murder 
All right. Well, first up, it is, of course, CanCon. Um, and there are lots of things to talk about. We're going to talk about CanPL. We're going to talk about the women's team, the men's team. Uh, we're going to talk about some League One Ontario, even. That's right. Uh, but first, we will talk about CanPL and basically sort of where, you know, the season's winding down. There's only depending on which team you are, because this is one of the most unbalanced schedules ever. Um, hmm. Like, Hamilton still has like six games to play. Is that correct? Uh, uh, that's quite the exaggeration, Kristen. It's five. How many matches is it's, the season this year? I, is, is it, it not 20, 28? Is it 28? I think it's 28. So then they, 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 they have six, according to the Campio website. Well, it's, well, I mean, it, it's a good thing they're not in any other competitions then. Or, or anything. Anyway, it's, uh, so yeah, so you've got, you've got anywhere from, yeah, six, six matches left to play to three matches left to play as the, as the range um, for the Campiel teams. But mm. what is important right now are important. But the, the, the thing to note is that, um, Sorry, sorry. Anywhere from two matches to six matches because Otletti only have two matches left and does it really matter? No. Because both they and the Eddies are are both officially, officially out of playoff contention. Um, and I think, and, and, you know, Valor is... God, I just used Valor. That makes me hurt. Uh, Winnipeg is um, likely to join them soon as they are not great but there's a they have a faint hope they have a very faint hope uh i think what's interesting with both of those teams um edmonton is obviously just it just they just struggle and um not that I want them to struggle. I want Edmonton to do well based on, based on their history, based on having known people in and around their organization, all of those things, you know, and you don't like to see any team struggle for this long. Um, but like a tiny little part of me, like it's kind of like, see, it wasn't all Jeff Paulus's fault. It's not his fault. Um, <laughs> and yes, that's, that's biased towards, you know, a friend of the podcast, but um it's it's tough because they have some good pieces and they have some really good young talent. Um, and then you look at Otletti and wonder, you know, is it, you know, what happened? They obviously didn't bond or learn much when they were in Spain uh, before the season started. Uh, is this a Mista thing? Is it, you know, first year team? doesn't have quite the the foundation yet like you know like it's it's an interesting sort of thing to look at what the problems are well if he leaves it would be a bit demystifying <laughs> thank you that's that that giggles all that that joke's <laughs> worth honestly honestly i was wondering where you were going to go with that one Oh, yeah. I, was, I was waiting. I was waiting. I was like, I was like, I had my, I had my, uh, my CSI Miami sunglasses all yeah. ready to go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, 
I like to think I telegraph the crap puns. So I, I, there's no, there should be no, no, with that, with that build up, nobody who's listening to this should be like, oh, he's got something insightful to say and leans into the podcast as if you can physically lean into it. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, it's weird to say, like, I, like, does, I suppose in the infancy of a league, the gap between, being a three-year-old club and a two-year-old club shouldn't be that much, but it kind of sort of is. And I mean, I've heard, I've heard um, many rumblings, shall we say, of, you know, Calgary and, and, and Hamilton having a huge advantage based on how they, how they pulled their players. They basically took a core of players that each side was quite familiar with and then just, sprinkled around to fill in the gaps and yep. voila and that and i totally understand that gripe that is a legit gripe and i don't know if other teams could have done that but anyway ottawa it it seems it seems like they're like at what point do you go it's like oh well they're still they're they're still trying to figure it out they were all in the same bubble for one and a half seasons or one and a third seasons like I don't know if, if, if there's any real disadvantage that they had such that they've got only six wins. So, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I, I, you know, I've got a lot of time for, for Alan Koch in in Edmonton and and from Mista in in Ottawa. He's, it's a, you know, when, uh, when it emerged that he was going to become their coach, it was a, it was a nice little throwback to the dark days with TFC. And so for him to come back and, uh, you know, experience some more Canadian soccer after the rough ride that he had that first time around sort of uh, brought a smile to my face. But I think the thing that stood out for me with, with these two clubs being the ones that are, that are first eliminated from the competition is that um, for, for teams that, that didn't really have a strong identity and, and you can talk about, you know, the Atletico Madrid identity and, and how strong that is and, and the difficulties with transplanting that into a group of Canadian players. Um, but for teams that didn't have um, that foundation that you mentioned, something to really build on in, mm-hmm. in the frenetic pace of the scheduling this year, um, there wasn't a lot of time to, to institute those sort of principles and to lean on the, those experiences that you formulate as a group. And so, you know, we look, look, the rest of the league, you know, you look at Cavalry and Forge, the two teams that Mark mentioned may have had a bit of a head start just from, from having a pre-existing pool of players and, you know, Halifax and, and the success that they had at the Island Games last year. And granted, it took them a little while to get going and they've had to, you know, make some changes along the way. And and Pacific, who, who you know, under under Pamudu Ka has really, really found a, a good identity this season that, you know, we saw glimpses of in the past, of course, but, but it really came to fruition. It this makes year. me that... delighted and I'll gush over that in a few minutes. So, <laughs> Well, the fact that those four teams have, have managed the season well enough when there's, there's very little chance to spend any time on the training pitch and to work on things and to improve on things when the schedule is as packed as it is. And then, you know, you look at York and you look at Valor, they're, they're sort of in between those sort of teams they have they have the the makings of a foundation but york made so many changes in the offseason that any a lot of the continuity that they might have built through the first two years sort of went out the door with some of the veteran guys and 
you know, Jimmy's got a way about going of going about things. That's that's pretty strong that him and Paul Small Terry have some good ideas. But and then you know, with Fowler and and the departure of Rob Gale and bringing a new coach in it, it sort of if I look at it from that sort of remove of you're not going to be able to not going to be able to grow the team tactically and identity wise as much as you'd like during the course of the season that the teams that are sort of left standing at the end are the ones who, who had a little bit more to start the season. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting looking, um, sort of looking on balance now, looking at, uh, looking at Halifax and looking at York, like they're almost the same team in terms of their stats, you know, they score goals. They let goals in. There's very little difference. Their 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 goal dif- you know their their goal differential is nil almost, right? Like and in and around the same amount. You know they're in the same place in the standings almost. Very similar points wise. They played the same number of games. Like it's, but it is two very different teams and two very different a- approaches. Um, and then you look at you know you mentioned the top of the table, top four, and you know, like Halifax is in that top four, but really it's a top three, right? Like it's really, it's Pacific, Calgary, and Hamilton. Those are the, those are your, those are your go-to teams, right? And they have been this season, especially, you know, obviously adding Pacific into the mix um, and what Pamaduka has built on from last year. And uh, I will say this again, I want him to be super successful. And I know someday he's going to leave Pacific, but not yet. Um I am so impressed with that, um, what he's done with that team. But I do think it is interesting that once again, it is, it is these three teams. So the Pacific is almost the outlier because their first season was not good. Rough. Um, yeah. Rough is a good way of putting it. You know, like there was, there was probably, you know, there was issues with how they were being, how they were playing. There was issues um, within the team itself, you know, and all this stuff, but with everything. And so I think, I think we're probably, you know, who, who it's either going to be Halifax or York, I think is going to take that fourth spot for the playoffs, but it could be fun. It could be a fun little race to the finish and that's what you want. Right. Um, and who's going to take the top spot. I do think Pacific will probably hang on, but again, Hamilton has a thousand games in hand. So who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but what I sort of wonder with all of this, so, you know, we're three, we're three years into this, um, into this league and none of the years have been, typical right like your first year is your first year was a bizarrely split schedule you know closer aperture or whatever like like just general madness right so you got your weird first year stuff and then you have your island games and then this year you know you have like your split your your bubble and then your league but you're not really traveling like it's just it's all very and it's tough right like this is this is this is super difficult and um, with the teams that are struggling, even though, yeah, even though coaches have been fired and things have changed and stuff like that, coaches have stepped down and so on and so on, but do, do organizations, do management teams, do they get a little bit, do the ones remaining, I guess. So like looking at, 
looking at Edmonton, you know, like Hodge, I, I, he's not really going anywhere and looking at Ottawa, does that sort of give them a little, do they get one more season just based on, you know, the world, you know, picture me gesturing at everything. Really, um, really elaborate gesture. Thank you. <laughs> I've been working on it. I tend to think that like everyone gets, like, I don't know if these years count when we're counting up the number of birthdays that we've had. Like, you know, I th- Oh, I I'm fine th- with that. You know, I, I think we just sort of hit, hit stop on the clock and, you know, whatever happens, happens. And then when, when we find ourselves on the other side, we go, all right, uh, that was an experience. Where, where were we? You know, um, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty harsh for, uh, for Winnipeg to decide to move on from Rob Gale, a guy who's done so much for that club. And, and yeah, so that was tough. That was tough. Um, there are decisions that, that clubs will make. Um, you know, sometimes we get a bit of insight into why they're making them, and, and a lot of times we really don't. Um, so I, I would be absolutely shocked if, if given, you know, this year and the Island Games, you know, Atletico were to decide that Mr. the guy that they that they picked to be the right guy to, to do this job for them wasn't the right guy anymore. I don't I don't know I don't know if the quality of data that you'd be making that decision on is, is of the quality that you necessarily want to make. But you know, it's it's a this is a tough business sometimes and and uh, the seats are always relatively warm. Yeah. Sure. Um I I, I, I it's I don't know if it, I don't know if it's because of the the bubble that is the KMPL and I don't mean that in a COVID way. It's just it's it's an insular place. Yeah, yeah it's very insular. So like the idea of we had a rough season and we're gonna let go of you as a coach because of you know this is year one or year two or year three. Like it just feels like there's a part of it's like oh that's so harsh. Like is there like, is there a coach that deserves to go? And I mean that in, the, in like uh, a high-level footballing way, not in a quaint Canadian. This is our first. This is this is our current real attempt at at being a full professional national league. Watch us watch us walk before we begin to run. Like I, like letting Rob Gale go. I know he did a lot of great things in Winnipeg, but they were losing. You know, or yeah, like it's yeah. I, I think outside the bubble, they couldn't cope. Yeah, right. And 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 for me, enough to say that he deserved to go. I I don't, I still don't know. I still don't know that. Oh, that was harsh. Or yeah, that was definitely the right move. I don't know how to read into that yet, because yeah. it still feels like a lot of clubs are are they still haven't got a core to that they're firm on to keep building off of, short of Calgary, short of Hamilton. Um, I feel like I feel like Halifax, like Halifax, threw every just about everything out and started fresh, and they damn near won the thing. So until until like clubs have that identity, I don't I don't know what it like. What this is a terrible answer. I know this is a terrible answer, but <laughs> and I'm willing to own it. Okay, but yeah, it's just I don't. Like Mister will probably get another season or two, because also I feel that at Atleta, Atletico wants him to develop as a gaffer, yeah. As much as they want to develop players for their brand, their system, their, For their, sure. their global club. So, 
for me, the only team, the only one that I ever sort of saw on the bubble, again, Gail sort of surprised me, but again, they really did stumble outside of the wibble, um, is Jim Brennan. Being, you know, long-term coach that has had little to no success with this club so far. And like, I figure if things don't turn around a little more or if they don't really compete for that fourth spot down the stretch, um, I can see that relationship ending. Yeah, I think, I think that's, I think that's a valid point. You know, I think um, York's had a pretty rocky existence off the field. Yes. Well, and so, you know, between the, the rebrand and the sort of figuring out exactly how the home stadium was going to be and everything. I, you know, and maybe this is just my, my, you know, natural conservatism when it comes to making big decisions. But I mean, like when you are establishing a club, the way that so many of these teams are doing, you really don't want to be making, you know, big decisions that, that radically throw out whatever progress has been made over that time, you know, and, sure. and sometimes granted that is the right move. I think, you know, Pacific, you know, Michael Silverbauer wasn't, whether it was that he wasn't interested in staying here or they weren't happy with the results. However, it was that it played out. Um, bringing in Paul was, was the right move for that group. And, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure Jim is, is well aware that, you know, he's got a, the clock is always ticking, you know, and, and, He's got to he's got to start putting some results on the field, but they really doubled down with a young team this year. Yeah, and I don't think a team that I don't think an organization that that is looking at something in the long term, the way that I feel all these clubs really should be doing, can can rush into a decision like that unless they're absolutely sure that the person that they have is not the right one and that they have somebody who's going to come in and and do more for them to drive them in that direction. It's this is why uh, this is why I'm not a general manager of a professional sporting out- outfit because I, I don't have that vision to know. Okay, this one is not working. Which one is going to work? I'm, I'm yeah. the guy that writes about it afterwards. I guess. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got, uh, you know, we still have, there's still lots of season left, so we'll have lots of more time to talk about KMPL stuff over the next month, apparently. I don't even know anymore. It's not even really, there's going to be like a thousand games within two weeks. It's going to be madness. Hopefully nobody gets seriously injured. Um, But speaking of one of the clubs, the club with all the games in hand, Mm. because they're in six other competitions, apparently Uh, Hamilton, all the competitions, all the competitions. And, um, so they played a match last night. Yeah. And uh, you know what? Once they got it, once they got that first one, I'm like, we're good. Shut it off. Shut it off. Yeah. yeah. Cause why would you keep watching? Like they, they got why that, sh- the crucial away goal. Why should you? Early they must, on. They must like, have won like was, by five. Oh yeah. Like six minutes in. Come on. It was, it was a thing of beauty. Their captain scored it, you know? Yeah. yeah I didn't go, can well. go wrong. Nothing yeah. can go wrong. <laughs> nothing can go wrong minute. after the sixth minute. Yeah. <laughs> but then disaster struck. In the form of three goals by Santos de Guapiles. Yeah. Um, it didn't go as planned. Uh, and for a team that has had a, uh, maybe not surprising, but I'm still going to use the word surprising amount of success on the road playing in CONCACAF. Um, 
which has been great, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, it's always delightful to, to see any team go into CONCACAF, go into anything like that and be successful. Um, but this match did not go well for them and you can't hinge it all on the Moba Bully situation. Everyone needs to let it go. I'm sorry, Mark. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't hanging on that. Wasn't oh, I know you that. weren't, but everyone else just needs to let it go. Please, for the love of God, just let it go. Stop talking about it. It happens. Stop. Um, and yeah, it's, um, you know, from the, from the free kick that tied it up and then it just, and then to get that second goal just a few minutes later. And that really, to me, is what, and again, I know it wasn't the greatest of goals, but when you get scored on, it just sort of that quickly, it sort of felt like they had wrested control away and um, just deflated Hamilton um, a bit. And then they couldn't really get anything going like attack wise. It just, nothing ever seemed to, to come, you know, to fruition out of the midfield. It just, nothing seemed to be working. I don't know. I, I, I didn't see as much of the match as I had hoped. So um, you two probably have better insights than I do. I kind of feel like, uh, I, I kind of feel like you didn't, you didn't miss the market pile that much. Um, it seemed like that first, the first goal was really like, we're going to go at them and it worked like a charm. I, I feel like nothing about that was fluky. It was just, they were, the other team were not prepared and they suffered for it. And then that all changed. And mind you, I felt like for a good chunk of the second half, Hamilton was trying to get, like, they were starting to finally piece it together. And and this has happened a few times over the season. It's happened a few times in this competition where they look, they look kind of like out of sorts, but then yeah. as the game progresses, even down, they're like, nope, we're, we're still going at this. And they, they were finding it, but they had lapses where they would just give up the ball and they would be on the end of an attack for about a good three, four minutes. Like they're, they're losing, like set us up three, three, one, and they're going at them. Like they're trying to get the come from behind goal. It was the weirdest thing. So I, while I feel like they were, they were, they were kind of, they were trying to figure it out. They were trying to iron it out. And I mean, I admire Bobby Smirniotis because he has zero, like zero fear of making a substitution. I never feel like he's just like, you know, I'm going to give this another five minutes. He's like, no, it happens now. Yeah. It happens now. Here's three fresh faces. Cheer with it. Yeah. And (laughs) which is, which is great because sometimes it just needs like, a very aggressive shaking the whole game, just check, 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 check. And, and maybe that, maybe that'll get it working. So, um, but it just, it didn't. And it felt like they weren't ready for that first goal to go in. I mean, whoever is, but they weren't ready for that first one to go in. The second one was like, is it offside? Was he offside? Looks like he might've been offside. Was he offside? And then, sure they got to halftime but they were still kind of running ragged at that point and then when the third one went in it was like uh they've been they've been they've been figured out for the evening so 
Yeah, there was there was one play that that I think was emblematic for me, and it was I'm pretty sure it was still in the first half. Uh, Matchinodi Youngson was on the ball, sort of uh, just just breaking into the other team's half of the field, and you know, Forge when they get on the ball in a position like that, like they they always seem so composed, and they seem like they they have it diagrammed in their head, and they know what they want to do with it, and all the pieces are working together, and it, it was a terrible turnover. He got he got caught in possession, and it was it was uh, you know looking back over d- doing a quick back of the envelope calculation that was Forge's twelfth game since November third. Yeah. You know that's I I think it was always a question for for me at least in the back of my head of, of when were they going to hit a wall, and uh, you know it seems like they they hit that wall down in Costa Rica. Um, you know they they scored that first goal, which is huge and. And does so much for the confidence in a difficult situation like that, but it became pretty clear that you know, they didn't have the legs and they didn't have the energy that that a hot day like that against a, a good team that's yeah. that's you know as hungry for the result as you are. They didn't have the energy to protect that. You know, you know, looking looking towards the second leg, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's time to write them off or anything like that, but. I think at a higher level, if the, if the CPL really wants to have these sort of showcase games, they have to take a much closer look at how they construct these schedules. I know yeah. they've done their best to, to move to make it all work, to but schedule things. But but you you can't play this many games crisscrossing the country and playing every three days. It's just unsustainable. And and I think that well, was, and the sorry, go ahead. Uh, I think that was a, a function of, of what we saw. Sure, sure. Well, and the thing is, is so Hamilton played this weekend. They've got a KMPL match, but it's it's in Halifax, so they're they're they've just come back. Well, not just come. Well, no, they've just come back. So they're flying out to the East Coast for a Saturday match. Then they have to come back. You know, try to reset again. You know, basically, you basically lose a day of training in there for sure, or at least a really productive day of training um for for the home leg that's really been the big thing for me and i've talked to several of the coaches about this over the years and you know if this is if this is really a league that that wants to be developing players and and wants to be you know developing the game the time that you spend on the training pitch and and the time that you spend preparing for an upcoming opponent by studying the film and the time that you spend you know, going over your own footage and studying your own games is, is immensely valuable. You know, the the whole concept of, you know, players need games and everything like that, but they also need the time in between those games to to digest what it was that they experienced and to really improve. And, you know, to go back to, to the point that I opened our, our CPL conversation with about, you know, teams that had an identity and just needed to, to work out the kinks of succeeded and, and teams that didn't have really struggled, and I, I think that this uh, this this needs to be something. That, now, as you said, you know the the last two years have been uh, you know pretty chaotic and understandably so. But I think as we go forward, we need to factor in that you know this is a big country, and travel time is going to be a factor, and we need to find ways to to really allow these teams to put their best foot forward in these kind of competitions, and you know having a Having to travel to Halifax a couple of days after getting back from Central America is just not really uh, not doing that. Yeah. Well, we will uh, again. This is this is you know this season comes to an end soon, and and we'll see what happens with Hamilton in terms of 
where they progress to in other competitions. But, um, you know, we're really, really hopeful that next season brings some sort of sense of normalcy and, you know, a proper balanced schedule. But yeah, as you were saying, James, like real thought towards how matches are scheduled, both within the league itself, but also in, you know, in respect to, other other competitions because the league's desire of course is to have their teams compete in you know for for cups like this for for stature um but yeah it's been um it's been tough (laughs) keep keep watching people please do continue to support and pay attention um also please do continue to support uh the union they need it more than ever um but let's move on to a potential someday in the future, while well, it's part of their ambition uh, to be a CAMPL club, which is the newest League One Ontario side, or one of the newest League One Ontario sides. But the one we're going to talk about today, because I'm from Peterborough, and I are you now? I am. Really? I know. Didn't know. I know that no one ever knows this. I know. I never up. talk about. I know. Never. Ever from the Kawartha Lakes region of Peterborough. Yeah. Indeed. Mm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So Electric City FC, which I have talked about before, is officially uh, joining League One Ontario for next season, which we were pretty sure was going to happen. I could not see uh, them being denied, but it is now official, which is wonderful and exciting. And they have they have so many plans, this club. Like I, I am beyond chuffed to even be involved as a supporter on the periphery um, with these guys. Uh, I've, I, you know, I've attended a few Zoom calls as the club was being formed and and supporter stuff. But it's really, really exciting. They've got some really quite exceptional people involved, um, and uh, they have. I, I love. I just yeah. I love the name, even though I usually rail against strange names, but I understand where it comes from because I'm from Peterborough and it makes total sense if you're from Peterborough to call them Electric City because that's Peterborough's nickname um, other than the patch, but you're not going to call it Patch FC because that's just weird. Um, Patch down. (laughs) Anyway, it's awesome. Um, Welcome aboard uh, ECFC and uh, yay, 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 yay. Yay. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. I love the colors too. The colors I actually appreciate. Yeah, a lot. no, the colors are the colors are brilliant. It's too bad nobody else thought of them. In- <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it'll be so interesting once they once they once they get to the KMPL cuz it'll ha- it, trust me, it'll happen. Wait do you like, see what they're building. Oh my like gosh, I'm a, so like cool. I'm okay with the orange, but I I'd rather what Peterborough's got, if I'm gonna be... I know, I know. I'm just picturing like, like longtime always. Hamilton fans like you, like glaring at them. Well, Bastards still well, to be, to, I don't know how many longtime Steelers fans exist, uh, yeah. uh, with the exception Fair. of of a uh, friend of the show, John Molinero, who who, who yes. mentioned that he That's... was a longtime season Time ticket Steel- holder. Yeah, his, I know, which is wild. His pops, which is awesome. I uh, know. But uh, yeah, uh, it's yeah. Anyway, um, I, I'm I'm look. The more the more c- cities, towns, neighborhoods, regions, whatever that want to get involved in League One Ontario makes me happy. Oh, so happy! It's so great. More the merrier. So Honestly, great. bring 
bring them all in. Let's let's just let's just open the floodgates and just make this thing a, a thing. Yeah. And, and, and while I, I have, and I, you know, again, it was tough to go to things or want, you know, to try to convince yourself to go to things. Like I haven't gone to anything League One Ontario related this season. Um, I'm so happy they have a season, but if you do get a chance, please do go. These matches are well worth your time. Um, it's super, it's very competitive. They're a lot of fun. Um, and the whole, the whole league puts, so much effort into developing um, uh, athletes uh, for, for the men's men's side and the women's side. Like they, they just do tremendous work. There's tons of great soccer to watch and um, yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. I, I, I think, um, you know, the one thing that I, that I have to say, I feel obligated to say is that if the Jersey sponsor is not the ice cream, then they're doing it wrong. Um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I, no, I no, no, it should be no, no. If it's not, if it's not Quaker, they're doing it wrong. Uh, Trust me for both. You got room for both. One, uh, like a, like um, a, what you want, like a sleeve sponsor and a jersey sponsor. Yeah, yeah, why not? Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I admit, like, like I, I loved everything that I've seen from them. You know, I, I can't recall ever seeing a League One Ontario team get this kind of attention. You know, just yeah. for, just for sort of coming on the scene. And, and as Mark said, it's it's got to be this way for the future of the game in, in this country. You know, we're a, we're a big country and, and the more clubs that we have and the more levels that we have those clubs at is only good for, for the growth of the game. You know, uh, you know, word is BC is getting their semi-pro development league off to a start soon. And, and we need as many of those things as, as we can possibly get going here. And, and to be honest, it's always sort of fun to see that, that new club hype, that sort of first little, first uh you know tentative steps into the world and you know um i, I can't wait to see what it looks like I, i've always meant to to give league one ontario a little bit more of my time it's, it's hard to find those little windows like one of these days i'm going to make it to a credit river cup and see what that's all about yeah uh you know it's just a, it's good to see it's good to see a team coming to this level sort of engaging their community both online and, and in the actual community itself so no, 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 two thumbs up. It's it's been great. Yay! All right, uh, a couple more things for the uh, CanCon section, uh, both having to do with the national teams and, as we've mentioned many times, the Canadian Women's National Team um, XNT uh, will be playing the first two games of their gold medal celebration tour, and this is a protracted tour. It's going to be a bit choppy. Um, so this Saturday in Ottawa and uh, next Tuesday in Montreal. And uh, then the next matches are question mark. They're going to be out West. They're going to be maybe next month. It's, we don't, we don't know. We don't have details yet. Um, and what's been great has been seeing lots of people, um, looks like lots of people are buying tickets. Uh, lots of people want to go welcome the, welcome the players and, and, and just like celebrate with them and cheer them on and just, you know, have that moment that we haven't had a chance to have yet. Um, but also, as we've mentioned before, uh, these games are also serving as a bit of an advanced tune up, a little advanced scouting for opponents for the women's world cup in two years. 
and they'll be playing one of the hosts, which is New Zealand. So that is good for everybody. Um, if you've been on any of Canada soccer, social media, or even the Voyagers, uh, we've been trying to, to retweet stuff as, as we, as we've been able to, um, just some great video and pictures of, uh, all the players arriving, uh, from their various leagues and clubs around the world and, uh, just having, uh, having a great time. You can, that's one of the great things about, um, this, this squad is, is how much, uh, how close they are and how much they really do love and support each other. Um, it's so, and, and they're silly and they have a lot of fun, but um, yeah, the, the, the gold medal tour, it's great that they're doing it. I still am surprised that they're doing it this year. I was convinced they were going to push it off to next year when there would be an easier time to schedule it. Um, but kudos to them for finding spaces to make this work so that, you know, the focus can go back and forth between the men's team and the women's team, which it rightly should. Um, but yeah, so the women this weekend, you should watch if you're not going. I will watch. I'm not going. Thank I you, know. Kristen. You're welcome. Yes. I too will be watching and not going. Uh, it's a little bit too far away from my uh, from my home base here in Toronto. Um, in normal times, perhaps I'd find some way to make it, but there, there's a lot of soccer right now, and so I'm just going to enjoy it from the comfort of my couch and, and have some warm thoughts about uh, about the Olympic experience that we. Uh, it seems like it was forever ago now, but time it feels moves. so long ago, but it wasn't. I know. I know time moves very strangely right now, so. You know, I think it just I, I'm still a little bit stunned that that they were able to pull it off, and that you know, after so many years of of putting in hard work and not getting rewarded, that that now they finally get this chance to celebrate the success that they've had and, and look forward to a bright future. And, and as you said, it's it's both the men and the women these days. So, you know, for the game in this country, it's uh, I think we always sort of felt that that 2026 and the lead up to, to that was always going to be a, a big period. And, and we're seeing some success uh, a little earlier than I think a lot of us might've thought. Oh, for sure. Like I can't. Yeah, absolutely. I think, well, with the women, it's hard, but again, no, I don't think anyone, you know, like Beth's only been in charge of the side for just over a year now. Like think about that. Yeah, and I think uh, in addition to that, I think a lot of the team that reached the heights that they did was sort of on the way out, and this was yeah. going to be a project of, of who's the next group coming along. And so, uh, that, but that's sports, you know. Sometimes, sometimes when you think it's going to happen, it doesn't, and then sometimes when you're not expecting it, it does. That's uh, that's sort of the beauty of sports. Yep, it is. And then, so there's, once once everyone is done more. setting the women uh, part one, because again, they do, they do intend to play in other parts of Canada. They, they, you know, the players are from all across the country um, and have played in stadiums across this country to, you know, rapturous support. And as much as we are all on a high for the men's team right now, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Do remember that up until now, the women have all have pretty much almost always outdrawn the men and been better supported at matches. 
because, well, the women have been better. So don't forget that and don't stop supporting the women just because the men are now actually doing awesome things. Not that you shouldn't support the men. There's room for both in your hearts is what I'm trying to say here, people. Anyway, the, the, the women will play in other parts of Canada. Um, so this isn't, it's not, you either get to Ottawa and Montreal and that's it. You've missed your chance. That's not what's going to happen. There will be more games. Um, however, mm-hmm. um, the men have a two game home window, which is kind of cool uh, next month. And both matches are in Edmonton and we will talk about, you know, them in more detail, the closer to it we get, although it's not really that far away. It's like three weeks, which is crazy. Um, But the tickets have gone on sale, the pre-sale for the Voyagers. And again, by the time this is released, pre-sale for Canada soccer uh, will be over. But if you want to sit with the Voyagers, you still have to be a member of the Voyagers. Use our link, use our codes. You can only get those if you are a member of the Voyagers. Um, But as of recording, tickets are flying for both matches, for for Costa Rica and for Mexico. Um, We've already had to ask the CSA to open up our additional seats um, for the Voyagers which is fantastic. That's how fast they're going. People are flying from all over the country. I've been on Voyager socials, you know, off and on all day and seeing people like tweeting pictures of their ticket purchases who are literally coming from all over the country for these matches, which is, which is massive. People Mm -hmm. are going to just, people are flying to Edmonton still during a pandemic um, in Alberta because of how excited they are about watching the squad. And, and, and a lot of the people I'm seeing are saying, I'm finally going to get to see the men's team play. And this is like their first time and this is how they're doing it. So the response is huge. Um, so congratulations to, to everybody who bought tickets, who's, who's, who's coming to tickets. Um, you know, it's great. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, we were all at that last game at BMO field and oh. And, um, you know, once I got in the building, you you could tell there was something different about, about, um, the vibe around this team. And it's not just, it's not just the success on the field. Um, but there's, there's something about the Canadian soccer population as, as reached what, what hopefully is a bit of a critical mass. And you sort of see that with, with the tickets flying, flying off the shelves. Not that I think tickets stay on shelves before they're purchased or anything like that. But just uh, the enthusiasm to, to get out there and, and and to support this team is is something that in my long years of, of following hasn't really been a thing. Like like when was when was the last time that you know there was a sellout for the supporters section and if you weren't on to order your tickets in the first half hour or whatever, you you weren't gonna be able to get them in the supporters section. Like that's that's unheard of. And the vibe around that stadium was, uh, was raucous. And it, w- it was very much a, a partisan Canadian crowd, which is something that, that we haven't always seen in, in the big cities. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it out to Edmonton myself. Like I said, it's, it's a little far from my base in Toronto, just like for the women's games. But, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm super excited to see what the future holds for, for the sport in this country based on, based on, you know, the reactions that we're seeing to, to this, this little bit of success. I just hope that, uh, 
I just hope that that electricity is is sustained from city to city, regardless of you know, regardless of who the host is. And I, that's not. I don't mean that as a challenge to Edmonton, to Vancouver, to Ottawa, to Montreal. But you know, have your own electricity. It doesn't have to be identical. But it felt like. All three of those games in Toronto felt like something. Something's happening. Something's about to happen, and I don't even just. And it was a beyond the anticipation of the game that's about to happen. So like, it really felt like this is a ride that is gonna go somewhere that isn't getting that doesn't end with a getting smashed out of the park by some middle power and then not qualifying for the last stage of a World Cup qualification. You know what I mean? It feels like real stakes. Not that the other games didn't have stakes, but you know, it, you could, you could, you could almost, you could almost hold it in your hand. So, um, Edmonton, I hope you get to, I hope you get to feel that. I hope you get to experience that. And those of you who are traveling, bring it with you. Yeah, I think the really remarkable thing about this run, let's call it the last eight months or so, is is how many moments from every one of these games is going to prove to be memorable. You know, like in the past, if I look over the last, the previous decade of the national team, so many results sort of, you know, melded into one. It was just one big sort of unending disappointment. And, and, you know, between, you know, getting the result in the U S and then, you know, coming back home and, and, you know, taking care of El Salvador and then going down to Mexico and, yeah, okay, maybe the, maybe the game in Jamaica was a little bit blah, and we're not going to remember a ton from that one, but there have been so many little moments that that will stay with us, and those little those little gems are the things that you build that you build a culture on, and they're, they're the things that people hold on to, and they're the things that draw people into a sport. And so, yeah, Mark, like you said, let's let's hope that that celebration goes around the country, and and yeah, everybody does it their own sort of way, and and brings their regional flair to it. But it's just uh, you know, this is a roller coaster that's going up right now, and I'm just glad to see uh, glad to see so many people wanting to be involved. Agreed, all around, and it's been, it's just yeah, it's just been great. It's been great to see the support. It's been great to see the engagement. Um, people like volunteering their time, people, you know, what can we do? What more can we do? What do you need us to, to, to do here or to stay here? Whatever. Just, and again, seeing so many new people come to it. We talk about a lot, um, you know, fans, young and old that are getting re-engaged, um, with the program. And it's, it just, it, it means the world to see this and to have, yeah, this excitement and this just constant desire to be supportive and to, and to be part of it. Um, because, you know, you can feel when you've got these special things happening and we kind of, I think we probably kind we kind of do right now and it's awesome. So have an amazing time, everybody at Edmonton. We will of course be talking about this lots over the coming weeks, but, um, Everyone that's getting tickets, I'm so happy for you. I'm so jealous, but I'm so happy for you. It's going to be awesome.
All right. We have a little bit of world footy to talk about. And we don't always talk about this, but there's a couple things we wanted to bring up. Um, one, the first thing is if you, even if you don't watch uh, the English Premier League, you probably saw this on, you know, your favorite social media or on the news because it was talked about a lot and there was a lot of highlights from this. And it was the match against uh, the Spurs, uh, between the Spurs and Newcastle. And wasn't what happened on the pitch so much as what was happening off the pitch. And that was partway um, towards the end of the first half when it came to the attention of uh, some players who noticed something had happened in the stands to a fan. Um, and it wasn't that we, we still don't, I don't think we ever fully know what ha- has happened to this fan, except for that they are recovering. Thank you know, all the gods. Um, but uh, Sergio Reguilon from Spurs went to the ref and said, you need to stop the match. Something is happening. You need to stop the match. At the same time, Eric Dyer went and got one of the physios, you know, and luckily most stadiums have defibrillators and like grabbed him and basically said, you need to get into the stands. Something has happened to somebody. And between Newcastle players getting someone's attention, between Spurs players getting the ref to stop the match and get medical attention. Um, and the game was stopped. Like the players eventually, they, 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 the players left the pitch, um, went into the dressing room. The game was stopped for quite some time. And um, the, the fan was given continuous medical attention, um, was eventually taken out of the stadium to the hospital, most recent reports is that, you know, they, I don't know if they're still in the hospital, but at the time they were awake and recovering, which was huge. The, so other than having what is some, in some way is something of an unusual um, reaction perhaps, because, you know, there are incidents in the stands, you know, there's fights, people get hurt, whatever, but this, this was something different. And to have the players insist that the match be stopped and to, 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 to spring into action to get medical attention. Some of this obviously hinges off of what happened during the Euro with Christian Eriksen and that horrifying, sobering moment that so many of us witnessed. Pretty much everybody I know witnessed and still just like makes you stop when you think about it. And I still can't believe we witnessed that. But obviously that is still in players' minds. And and for one of the players on the pitch, uh, Hoiberg, who plays with Christian Eriksen, right? Like there's, there's all these things, there's all these connections, but again, the players are, the players are human and care. But what was really um, noticeable was how the commentators and the in-studio panel and the broadcast handled it differently than what happened uh, during Euro. And, you know, we talked about this before we started recording, guys. And, and we, were, we were all sort of, like, noticed how different it was. Yeah, I think um, that was what stood out to me the most was how careful everyone wanted to be with, with the words that they chose and the images that they showed in a time like that. And so... It's nice to know that we can sort of 
learn the lessons of uh, of such bad experiences. And and just on a bigger picture, I, I sort of, you know, this is a pretty small hope that gets dented pretty much every day, but I sort of hope that coming out of of this, uh, you know, two year, two year uh, hiatus that we've all sort of been on that we maybe learned to just be a little bit nicer to each other. You know, everyone's, everyone's got their stuff going on and, and, you know, we, we sort of need to take care of each other in, in life and in friends and family and, and in football clubs. And so that sort of felt like a, like a fan, like a, like a player looking out for, for a fan in the stadium as another human being. And it's something that, you know, we, we see little, little bits of every once in a while, but this was on a whole nother level. So it was, it was scary, but it was also, um, you know, a little bit, a little bit nice as well. Yeah. And then um, on the, not on the heels of that, but sort of at the same time, something that's been swirling around um, for a while. I was in curious how you were going to make this transition. This is a hard I transition. know, it's, it's, it's a terrible transition. I don't in know. Other I sh- news. In, in other, other news. news. <laughs> I should have I switched the order of these two topics clearly. Um, but anyway, r- rumors in the world of football are, are everywhere. And there's always a new rumor about some change that's going to happen, some new rule, some new competition, you know, a breakaway league. Who, who would do that? Um, Ooh, and fools would do that. Fools, foolish mortals, people who just care about money. No one would do that in the world of soccer. Um, speaking of the, uh, one of the things that, has been floated out there and has apparently gained, I don't know, a bit of traction, um, is this talk of making the World Cup an every two years kind of competition, which is horrifying and wrong. Do not do this, you fuckers. Just fuck off and stop it with this nonsense. Um, But there is obviously pushback, hopefully enough pushback from enough federations to make it not happen. But then what was the other, what was the secondary part of all of this was that if they do go to every two years, you couldn't appear in back-to-back editions. So so how is it a world cup? It's not you fucks. Like I just look, I I feel, I feel like you've lost the plot. If you're getting your ideas from the WWE. Now, for those of you, because <laughs> look, I, 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 I know a lot of Royal our listenership. Thing? I know, I know a lot thing? of our listenership. They'll understand already. But for those of you who don't, the WWE has two major shows that run every week, Raw and SmackDown. And a couple years ago, they decided that they're going to keep them separate. There's no crossover. You basically have a Monday night champion and you have a Friday night champion. And on those shows or even pay-per-views where they all come together, they hold the same prominence. And sometimes they have them fight one another for a spectacle, which is great. But it's artificial. The whole thing is fake in the sense that, you know, the champion on Raw could never go on the, be on SmackDown. Why would he be on the other show? Because you wrote that into the script. <laughs> like, there's no reason to say Brazil's on. Brazil was playing in the 20, 
28 World Cup, there's no way they could be on the 2030 World Cup. Yeah, there is. It's in the script, assholes. This is so stupid. Everything about, like, I mean, the two-year World Cup thing cycle, I get it. I get it from a money point of view. It totally cannibalizes UEFA, Cotton Ball, AFC, Africa. It cannibalizes all those continental championships. Because let's be honest, I think we'd we all rather would see a World Cup than a UEFA. Even though it's a completely different animal, we kind of would like, like, I think the global viewing audience would prefer a World Cup over over continental tournaments in in its place. That being said, that's insane. It's insane. I feel like the World Cup needs a break after it's done. It's like, okay, let's take a step back, enjoy the silence, and start our club shit in about five minutes. Because that's what happens. But uh, yeah. Well, the other thing is, how many more countries do you need to bankrupt for your fucking tournament? Come on now. Uh, well, I mean, at some point in time, it's only going to be despots or good country, air quotes good countries that just have the stadiums like, we're not going to do anything you want. Like, we're not going to upgrade anything. Take it or leave it. Yeah. Where do you want to <laughs> yeah. go? Do you want to go to France or Turkmenistan? Like, that's <laughs> what's going to happen. You know, so anyway, uh, yeah. Let me see. Let me see if I'm following this right. So, if you get knocked out of SmackDown, do you parachute into Raw, or is it the other way around? It is not. I mean, arguably, there is a promotion relegation system. If you, there's another show called NXT. Now, the it's their development brand, and sometimes wrestlers go down, but more often wrestlers go up. And is that uh, the Carabao? That's a care about, right? I'm trying to find the analogy here. It, there's no real good one. It's just, it's just <laughs> wrestling, man. <laughs> also, yeah, my I'm favorite, like... but my favorite part about this whole brand split, where you have the Raw show and the SmackDown show, each with its own set of rosters. There's two things. One, there is the one exception is that there's there's a women's tag team title, and they could be on either show because there's not enough women wrestlers to have two tag team divisions. Makes no sense, but hey, wrestling rules. <laughs> the second one is. Is that and they like about two weeks ago they just completed this. They had a draft where the representative from Raw would pick pick wrestlers they want to have. <laughs> SmackDown would pick the wrestlers they want to have. So oh, like so this imagine if you will, this is this was their All Star game. They had an All Star game. Yeah. So basically, they're just oh my god, you know, like Infantino and. Let's let's just say the representative of the other alternate World Cup. We'll just say it's Mont Vic. They both show up. <laughs> they both show up and they both take turns announcing which countries are going to be in their World Cup. And it's just a shit don't show. But them, it's like, don't give them any ideas, man. They might be listening. You know, the, it's true. They do listen the, to us. Obviously, for the 2032 World Cup, the I don't know what you, you want to call it. World FIFA A team select, select <laughs> South Africa, and then a bunch of people gasp, and some people applaud, and then the other one, the World Cup B team selects Uruguay, and I just wanted to say Uruguay. Like Let's that. be honest, they, they wouldn't be selecting. There would be balls spinning around in a glass bowl. Oh, but you have to have balance. You have to have balance. Well, well that's why there. That's why there are pools. You know what I mean? Fine. Like the top twenty team are in this ball. Next twenty <laughs> teams are in that one. But is there. a World Cup 
is a world cup a world cup oh. if you have england and germany in different world cups argentina and brazil in different competing Wait, world the cups two world cup winners play each other in some indeterminate oh, th- oh that's period? definitely happening and it's either taking place in japan or somewhere in the middle east so yeah. what not on the moon when we have colonized the moon by then, come on, moon world uh, cup. If, if Elon, Estadio de Luna has not been, they haven't broken ground yet. <laughs> okay, yeah. what about Sealand? We'll just have it on Sealand then. No, be FIFA doesn't FIFA recognize by that because they're going to need. Yeah. Damn it, they're going to need countries. Yeah. So, yeah, by then they will exactly. <laughs> my my overriding feeling whenever I see something that's sort of outrageous like this, and and granted, I was I was a little bit wrong with the breakaway league. It seemed like it was a touch more serious than than could easily be dismissed is that this is a little bit of the of the priming the pump for something that is actually realistic that they want to do and you throw out an idea that repulses everybody but at the same time you're you know in politics they call it the overton window you're sort of opening up the realm for what's possible so whether this is a negotiating tactic or a sort of laying the groundwork for something less egregious who knows but uh uh, it wouldn't be a week in, in world football if we didn't have some, some strange rumblings coming out of somewhere. So that's uh, part true. of the course as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> And, and I'm sure, again, we'll, we'll probably end up talking about that uh, more in the future, depending on what happens with it. But um, to 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 finish off our show, like it's going to be done in five minutes or something. Let's ah! try. Um, it's time it's for some first, TFC talk where we talk fir- about... Is this your first show? Yeah, we're sorry. Um, it's time to talk about some TFC and... Uh, oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yeah. Like, this has not been a good year for Toronto. And oh, really? Is it not? A lot of that... Is, is this your first show? <laughs> a lot of that is, quite frankly, their own fault. Um, but there's also, also, obviously, a pandemic and injuries and, and, and. Regardless, they sort of had come together, scraggy little band of misfit toys to, to, to string together, you know, a little bit of an undefeated thing and people playing for contracts for next year, young players getting minutes, you know, maybe a DP looking like could be a DP, that sort of thing. Um, and then this last week happened and Oh. Did things go right? Oh, they no. did not go right. Those were two bad games. Bad games. Bad. Mm. It sounds they like you're bad. punishing them. They deserve it. They deserve to be punished, and not in the fun way either. 
James, no mistress blank sorry, for them. J- J- James, is is there a fun way that I'm missing? I don't, I don't <laughs> a know. A fun way to be punished? You don't know is that? There, I don't, I don't know. Is this is on the children's show. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot this is the family. I forgot this is the family version of the show. Duncan and Tony aren't here. This isn't VMP After Dark. I apologize. Can I find this on the internet? (laughs) Do not Google this while at work. Um, (laughs) Make sure you use incognito mode. What? Um, Anyway. I don't think... I don't think the two losses... Yes, it's two losses in a week, but I don't think they were... I don't think each was the same as the other, you know. Oh, no, they were two entirely different losses. Okay, okay. I thought you were grouping them together as both, both woeful, terrible, downright, despicable. Um, They were, I thought they were woeful and terrible in completely different ways. That's fair. That's fair. But so, James, one of the reasons we, we brought you on, other than the fact that we love and adore you and we have not had a chance to have you on the show or see you in forever, um, is because TFC is it's your it's your it's your bread and butter. It's what you do. Um, and so you write about this team and you watch this team for a living. Um, so if you're looking at the two matches, then red cards and fights and tunnels and things like that notwithstanding um although i admit because i missed part of the um the atlanta match and someone tweeted at me someone got a red card you know i'll let you bet or let you guess who i just assumed it was richie so that when I saw that, that it was... That is a sensible pick. That is the sensible fullback. Well, of course yeah. it is. So when I saw that it was Auro of all people, who I get, yes, is a scrappy player. And the fact that he never gets yellow cards always amuses me. Um, but I was shocked <laughs> that it wasn't Richie because I just assumed that it was Richie. Um but yes, so out of the well, then out of the two, out of the two matches, which do you feel is the more egregious of the two? Um, I don't even necessarily know how to how to how to parse that. You know what I mean? Like a loss is a loss, and, yeah. And, and you know, none of them are good as far as a, a team that wants to win is concerned. I think. I think the distinction that I would make is is that the Atlanta game was a game that that was close. You know what I mean? Like they, this was two teams that were sort of, you know, fighting for pride and battling and, and you know, throwing some very, very mild headbutts and, you know, following <laughs> each other up the tunnel and all the sort of handbags. And and so that, that game was at least a contest, I felt. And, and then in Miami – it didn't really feel like it. You know, we can talk about the schedule and how ridiculous that's been. And we can talk about, you know, all the injuries that the clubs had to deal with this year, but something that's been an, an issue with this club for, for a long time, like, like back to the, to the champions league run a couple of years ago has been that, you know, when, when it's a big game and when it's against an opponent that they get up for, they can find the level of the match and, and the Atlanta goal, the Atlanta game, you know, you lose two nothing. The first goal is a little bit, you know, a little bit out of nowhere, um, a little bit fluky, and then the second goal comes in the ninety fourth minute of yeah. stoppage time because you're pushing forward for an equalizer. That's that's 
that's a loss that you can take as a team that like, okay, this wasn't, this wasn't our night. We put in a good shift. Um, but the Miami game, oh, it, it just so bad. Felt like, like, and it, we've seen it a lot this year, whether it's in Cincinnati, there are certain opponents that don't, that don't inspire TFC to be at their best. And that's been a real, that's been a real battle this year for a team that, that thinks itself to be one thing to find a way to do the things that you have to do when you're at the other end of the table, you know, and those games are not pretty. Those games are, um, those games are, are gritty and you have to find some way to, uh, to win on nights. And there have been too many nights this year where TFC has found a way to lose. And, that, and you know, in a nutshell, that's, that's the story of their season. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. The whole season. I, I, I say this almost every week. The whole season is just, it's just so frustrating to see, um, to see talent wasted. You know, it's the whole let, you know, fruit rot on the vine basically is, is, is what's happening here. And there's, there's so much that, could go right there's so much that needs to some you know to 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 be recognized in an individual under an individual lens for some of these players like like for that match last night like one of the things that made me made me sad is that you know this is we're, we're watching justin morrow's career end this way he played 250 matches that was his 250th match last night and you know that was what we what we got. But you also have uh, Jaquiel getting a start, bright young hurt. player, finally mm-hmm. getting some recognition, um, finally. And again, it feels wasted. It feels like these are learning moments for these young players, but it's hard for them to learn when you've got. Disin, not even disinterest, but confusion and poor planning around you, right? So there's this real sort of sadness is the wrong. Well, sadness, sadness is kind of right. It's 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 a not a disillusionment. I'm having trouble finding the right word. Um, but just to to see to see how how good some of these players are in these individual moments and these individual performances. Um, but there's an inability for this club to, to, to come together. And, and again, uh, this, a lot of this comes from the unwillingness to break up what they look at as their core and this can, the way they convince themselves that one more championship was in their grasp with this group um, and that's on Allie Curtis and Bill Manning and they have things to answer for in the off season and they have things that need to be done this off season. And it like, they actually have to do more than just, Oh, we're one or two pieces away. No, you're not. You haven't been for three years. 2019 was a fucking fluke. I mean, they're, um, they're one or two pieces away from maybe making the playoffs. But winning anything other than an extra, Maybe you know, five games? No, they're yeah. not. 
Um, so, so to the original, I think the original question, James pretty much nailed it. Uh, is that yeah, Atlanta was the game against Atlanta was close. The game against Miami hurt. Um, I do recall asking you on Twitter, Kristen, if I had to watch the entire match. Yeah, and I'm sorry de- for the confusion. Which of my then answer. devolved into a whole thing. You, I read it as that I did have to watch it because of the podcast. I'm sorry, James. That was one of the more that that was one of the more entertaining parts of the match last night to see to go back and forth on Twitter. <laughs> it's what we're here for, yeah. everybody. This is the, we're, we're here for you. Yeah, no, it's uh, if if anything, we're the sideshow, but we're a show. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, like it's it is tragic that that Justin Morrow's this is this is this is how he's gonna go out. It sucks. He's got a ring. Yep. But this is the way it goes out. Couple shields, a ring. You know, he's had a, he's had a, he's had a good career. Like he's, there's, he's there's... a very good career. I mean, he got he got a gold card in FIFA one <laughs> season, and he deserved having that gold card. Yeah. Which is really good, Kristen. I know you don't video games, but I I, trust I, I me, don't. Yeah. But very I believe good. you. And. Part of me feels like I don't even know if it's uh, like I kind of feel like the way they play. It's not that they lost the plot; it's that they're they're looking to find a new one. Like there's 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 fleeting moments of excitement, but they can't string it together long enough to do anything positive with it. I feel like a lot of the wins we've seen and over the last couple of games, which aren't many, but we've seen a few, we've seen one or two, and it was a case where they found a plot, strung it together long enough to score some goals. It was not a, it was not a, a tactical mastery masterstroke by any stretch of the imagination, but some of the pieces were still figuring they're, and they're still figuring out. You could watch it, watch any part of that game you want. They're still trying to figure out what parts are supposed to work, how they're supposed to work. Um, but, and then it comes down to what you said, Kristen, like they're going to have they, they, they doubled down on, we got one more run in us, and <laughs> I saw the standings. We don't. And uh, where does it, like, where do you go from here? And when you take apart the team, how, how blow up do you get? It's a hell of a question. I don't envy anybody, but I hope somebody's got the courage to just go, not full nuclear, but look at the top half of that salary structure and start start pressing the button. Yep, 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 and yep. So, should we talk about salaries, or should we should we have James tell us what has gone wrong? I, I think that I, I mean I don't I don't think the salary thing is going to be all that A big surprise long. to anybody. Although I do want to I do want to just point out. So speaking of being eliminated from playoffs, like TFC you know, officially mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, which, so what I found funny about, about that, not that it happened or anything, but that anybody took that as like added salt to the wound. Like I saw people who seemed legitimately upset by this. And and I get that, like, you know, don't want your club to miss place, but Toronto was never making the playoffs people. No. Not since, oh, I don't know, July. 
or sooner. It was just, it wasn't happening. So yeah, but math is fun, Kristen. <laughs> and I do agree that I love math. I'm a math nerd. However, um, this one thing, like of all the things to like add to your arsenal of hurt now, like be mad for the last several months that it was clear they weren't going to make the playoffs. Um, I guess maybe the official officialdom gives you a little bit more friction of rage. Fine. That's I guess, but it just seemed like, you know, turn your, keep your ire, you know, where it belongs, which is, which is on management for the most part um, for what, what they've done with this club. Personally, that's my, my opinion. If you look at the salaries, if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, MLS players uh, union, uh, players association, they release the salaries uh, twice a year, twice a year. Anyways, it's delightful. It's one of our most favorite things uh, only because sometimes you can see how underpaid players are. You can see how overpaid players are, and then you can look for your players, the players that you don't like. So you can decide whether or not they're being paid far too much and you can have another thing to be angry about. So, <laughs> um with TFC, there's a whole range of that. Um, it's, a, it's a fun little quarterly tradition that we do here in MLS land, where people it is base and pull out pull out the guys that they think aren't aren't earning their way. So, you know, you gotta you gotta stick with the traditions. Well, I, I I want I do want to point out a couple for TFC then, like 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 what a couple that are just not ones I think maybe I had forgotten. I did not realize what Omar Gonzalez's compensation <laughs> package was. <laughs> Motherfucker. Spectacular. How the fuck do you get like, that for an aging defender? Like, holy shit, that was a gift from the 2019 season or something. And again, I love Omar Gonzalez, <laughs> but he is not that Omar yeah. Gonzalez anymore. Yeah. I, I, How I, he is guaranteed over a million dollars. Yeah, I and got, I guess you know what? If they're gonna give it to you, you're not gonna say no. Yeah, yeah, it's not his fault. He's he no. signed it. He signed on it. I mean, I would. I would have signed that. I would have snatched that away from them. Signed it. Stamped it. Put my DNA on it just so they couldn't change their fucking minds. Yeah, and then I'd remind every fan of that I got that contract because you'd be so mad at me because I'm shit. Um, yeah, that 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 number is hilarious I, I i did i did guffaw at that um i also guffawed at alex bono i i again good for him half a mil um nearly but like half a mil it's a 2017 I, thank you care over yourself yeah. but uh one of the things i have to say that i'm i'm actually super super pleased with is the number of players that are not that are making below a hundred thousand dollars is less this year than I feel like it was last year. Yeah. And, and that number is going to decline, which is something I've always wanted. I yep. mean, it wasn't, you know, season one, we had players making less than you. And I'm going to just, yeah, I remember that when I was making more than when, when I was making more than MLS players mm -hmm. and I did not make a lot of money. I managed a bookstore for fuck's sakes. I did not make a lot of money. But Kristen, the whole less than you, I wasn't actually talking about you, Kristen. Oh, I, wasn't I literally was and, making and, more than MLS players. And I wasn't talking about James either. I mean, any listener was making more than the <laughs> league minimum. 
what was it? Nineteen thousand. A really, a really lucrative paper route. Yeah, sixteen thousand dollars US. With Holy a crap! Christmas program would would get you above what the league minimum was back in those days. Our, we had a striker who started a few games. Who, oh, like there was an article about how he had to take the subway to get to training. Oh, Lombardo, Lombardino. I hope he's doing. Um, but I think, the, but that, but that list. Sorry, that list uh, being smaller and smaller is makes me happy. It just genuinely makes me happy that that Luke Singh is making seventy grand US. Like, well, good I'm for glad anybody. You, yeah, no, I'm glad you bring him up though. Like, that was the actually the thing. I, other thing I wanted to talk about, not the not the really high salaries, but. And, and not even necessarily the, the guys making whatever league minimum is, although, you know, again, Players Union's done some great work to get mm-hmm. the league minimum to, you know, some decent levels, right? Um, rookies or not. But that so many of the young players, although not nearly enough of them got to play this season, so many of these young players are making – not just more than the league minimum, but a good deal more than the league minimum in some cases, which speaks to how some, at least somebody within this organization regards them, you know, forget how they've been used or not used. There is a serious attempt to compensate these young players to keep them either within the organization, um, whatever it is, but like, you've got like, Jaden Nelson and, and Noble Okello, um, Schaffelberg, uh, who else is uh, up on that list? Uh, Jaquiel, um, all making over a hundred grand. Julian Dunn, 85, you know, like Julian, these players are all making more than Dom Dwyer, which it's is still too much for Dom Dwyer. Honestly. It's still too much for Dom Dwyer. And much. I will say this one thing. I'm going to say something nice about Dom Dwyer. Doubt it. No, I really am. Mm-hmm. I understand that he has had a difficult year personally, and that that is a difficult thing to go through as an athlete, as a person during a pandemic in a new country away from your children. Okay. I will but, give him that. But however, counterpoint, Kai <laughs> Kamara. Okay. Yes, I like, know. Oh, like, I know. Like we couldn't I st- have, we couldn't have Kai like Kamara. Him. We couldn't have Kai Kamara for oh, eighty grand. We couldn't. We could not have Kai Kamara for eighty grand. If he had scored what two goals, that would be more than what the eighty grand we oh, got. 100 percent. Hey, I, I, I'm not. I'm not here to defend. I'm just. I thought. I thought I would at least acknowledge that he went through some shit this fine, year. But that fine. doesn't erase over a decade of my absolutely loathing also him true. and the fact that TFC management thought that this was a shiny distraction from all the things they didn't do when they signed him last yeah. minute because they were desperate. Yeah, no, that's fair. But, uh, um, also Q makes more money than I thought he did. Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. Uh, I, 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 I did, I did quickly just, Glance at the um, just the whole list overall, uh, uh, just kind of, you know, searching, searching, basically searching by who makes the most and then scrolling down. Um, uh, Max Arudi on a million. Good for him. Honestly. Really? Yeah. A million. Uh, 
Toka, guaranteed compensation, one and a quarter million. Good for him. Yeah, really good. Proud of you, buddy. Um, uh, and th- there was a, there was one other one that kind of had me go, huh? Too much, really. Um, Alexander, no, it wasn't Alexander Ring. He's on a million. The, uh, for, from oh, uh, is that it? Actually, oh, okay. I actually, I <laughs> thought that was that was that was high. I thought that was. Yeah, uh, it's like past compensation. But uh, there was yeah, that's that's uh, I I generally don't have a ton to say about guys' salaries. Um, there's so many factors that go into it, both oh, ways. Oh yeah, <clears throat> you know what the team is, what the team is willing to pay you, and how good your yep. representation is, or or what situation you find yourself in. But you know, a lot of these numbers reflect reflect like they tell their stories in their own way. Like the Dom Dwyer one was one that I wanted to point out, and that's a guy who's coming off a big injury and, and a team is taking a chance on him, you know, mm-hmm. um, a lot of, no, I wouldn't say a lot, a, a fair bit of this has to do with seniority too. You know, like Justin For Morrow's sure. number is, is clearly a reduced number based on, you know, what he should be earning compared to other guys that have the kind of tenure in the league. I know there's some language in the agreement where based on the number of years that you've been in, in the league, there's a certain, escalator that gets involved in, in yeah. what your contract can be and stuff like that. And then you factor in, you know, where guys are coming from and, and all that sort of stuff. The, the numbers don't tell the story themselves. No. But. And I think even in Justin Morrow's case, um, like an argument could be said for, again, for, for past performance, for reputation, that he could make more. Um, I don't, I say this without knowing, but I feel fairly, I feel like there's a really good chance that he was like, you know, I want to come back for one more year. Yeah. What can we, what kind of agreement can we come to? This seems fair. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? No, that's, that's very much what I saw. What I thought when I saw the number was something yeah. along the lines of, of, okay, I, I, by, by rights, technically speaking, according to the collective bargaining agreement, I should be on this number, but this is what we will do for the good of the team. Exactly. And that's completely how I see that. And knowing whatever, what we know about Justin Morrow, I think that's a pretty fair estimation. So are you going to ask me the question now? Yes. Yes. All right. So James, what's wrong with TFC? Just one simple little question, eh? Um, (laughs) You know, I think we're all sort of, as you said, like even though the elimination just became official, we all sort of, you know, we sort of knew in the back of the minds. And for the people that were disappointed, I I understand that sort of, um, you know, sports is the eternal optimist of of everything, and then and you always sort of sort of hope that the team can can figure it out. And so people who were disappointed, I I, I completely understand that, but. You know, we haven't done our end of season media and, and sometimes we get answers there and sometimes we don't. That's sort of the nature of, of asking a question and, and the situation that we find ourselves in. So I don't really have a great answer in terms of how the club moves forward from this situation. You know, there are a lot of people such as yourself that, that want things to get blown up, you know, and that want to see some really drastic changes. And then you can probably find an, an equal number of people who feel like, like this group in different circumstances with, you know, home games throughout the season and managing to stay a little bit, 
more fit than they have, you know, finding uh, yeah, that would be a lineup. big thing. Um, could could be a much in a much different place than they are right now. So I mean, the, the answers those answers are are a little bit above my pay grade, but I can I can hopefully without without taking you know a half hour and and ten thousand words give you a little bit of why I think they are where they find themselves, if that makes sort of sense. And and um, I th- I think that the headline point is that it, this is a team in transition. You know, this is a team that that had the success that they had under Greg Vanny going back to, you know, wherever you want to start it. If you want to say 2016, that's probably, it's probably the best place to put it, but, you know, you can go a little further back and see the, the beginnings of that. And, and I don't know where you want to put the end period, you know, like there were a, a bunch of different spots where you could say that this, this era ended, but, I think that the team knew coming out of the Champions League and, and the difficulty that they had in that 2018 season that that they were going to have to be making some changes. You know, Sebastian Jovinko and Victor Vasquez left in that sort of accelerated. I was going to say that wasn't the team more. making. That wasn't the team making changes. That was both of them chasing money. Well, I think I think the team was the team itself was at the realization that that this wasn't going to last forever. You know, nothing ever lasts forever in sports. The thing that makes that makes good teams good is that they recognize when it's time to move on and they and they make the decisions that have to be made to set themselves up to continue to find success while they're making those changes. You know what I mean? That's 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 the dance that you sort of have to do. And so so yes, those two those two left a little bit early and, and that's always a that's always a pressure point, you know. Um I sort of look at, I sort of look at the their de- the departure of, of Jovinko and Vasquez and the addition of as of Alejandro Pozuelo as sort of the breaking point of that first generation or era or whatever word you want to use to describe it. That's sort of where I draw the line here. Um, that was the first bit of okay. That was the team that got us to those heights where are we going to be going going forward? And that, that also coincides with, with the departure of Bezrachenko and the arrival of Ali Curtis. And, you know, dealing with the Pozuelo transfer was one of the first things that Ali Curtis dealt with uh, before he even, you know, set up an office up at, up at the BMO training ground. Um, and that, that sort of worked out all right. You know, in, in the grand scheme of things, you know, they're MLS Cup finalists. You lose to Seattle again. That's, that's not great, but... It's tradition. But, there's there's an element of of you know you're not going to win every game and sometimes the bounces aren't going to go your way and that's that's both the beauty and the tragedy of sport but I mean you know they were able to to put that team that had had such success into the past and sort of find a way to move forward and that's sort of where I make that initial distinction and then you know 2020 hits and we get two games into the season and and you know, I don't think there is a, a person or a general manager or a corporation or anybody in the world, even ones that probably should have plans like, you know, maybe governments or something like that, that, that had a really good playbook for how we how we go about doing business as usual when, when business is anything but usual. And so, you know, that was a that was a crazy disjointed season that they they have the MLS's back tournament in Florida and they looked all right, but then, you know, they fell apart a little bit in the knockout game against NYCFC, if I recall correctly. And then, you know, when the league starts up 
uh, you're you're playing out of Connecticut in an empty stadium. And I, I think what's maybe been lost in the last year is just how remarkable, you know, that was what they were able to do, the way that they looked at the way that that everyone was sort of just figuring out how to put one foot in front of the other and make it through the day and deal with whatever they had to. And, and I think that sort of singular focus was, was what got them through that period. And we see them, you know, in a shield race that goes down to the last day pretty much. And, mm-hmm. you know, they fall at the final hurdle there and yes. Okay. They fall at the first hurdle in the playoffs getting knocked out by Nashville and, you know, maybe oh. that was, maybe that was something that just happened sometimes. And, and maybe that was a real warning sign of, of uh of impending doom if you want to be that dramatic about it and then we go into the off season and, and greg Vanny leaves, you know and then and then for a second straight year you're going to have to be playing away from home and then chris armis comes in and then the ccl is here and then you lose and then you lose and you lose and it sort of snowballed from there you know i think there's been a lot of a lot of shade thrown at Valley Curtis and at Chris Armis and everything like that. But I, I don't think enough respect has been paid to what it meant to this club to lose a figure like Greg Van. You know, he, he wasn't just the coach of the first team here. He was, he was the heartbeat of the playing side of this organization in a lot of ways. You know, his fingers were on nearly every part of the club structure that is involved with players. And, and when that influence is withdrawn, it's going to take a lot of time for things to sort of right themselves for everybody's, you know, if every, if everybody is working towards the vision of this one person and that one person leaves, it, it takes a little while for everyone to get back on the same page and be pulling in, in, uh, in the same direction. And, and, you know, you can say that, oh, the little things behind the scenes don't matter quite as much but you know one of the things that i've been wondering about a lot this season is is you know what what's the percentage difference and maybe i'll ask you guys this just so i can take a little break from talking before we go on is <laughs> is um you know what's what's the difference between a really good mls team and a team that's struggling like percentage wise you know what i mean like so if if we say if we take New England, who's just on a on an absolute tear right now, as as the absolute pinnacle of what an MLS team can be in twenty twenty one, right? What what percentage do you think they are firing at that TFC is short of? You know, is it five percent? Is it ten percent? Is it twenty percent? Like I don't know where to put that number, but I do know that all of the little things that make a difference in what a team can create, the little one percent here, two percent there. How many points does it cost you to be based in Florida for like all of those little things add up. And so while I take a break here to get a drink, uh, where do you think the percentage lies between the absolute best and the absolute worst in MLS? I, I think it's pretty small. You know, I think we're talking 10% difference, 15% difference, but I'm curious what you guys think. Well, like for that, that sort of like for me goes back to what I was saying about how, this this team in a lot of ways or a lot of the players on this team like it's it's been a a waste of some very talented players um amidst a land of confusion and so that's you know that's 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 it guess in your in your five ten percent and sure like if you looked if you looked at the makeup of this team and and lots of people did at the beginning of the season and and myself included although it was still 
you know, the whole thing where they didn't clearly go after a center back and they really didn't have an attacker. But I thought, you know what? There's still, there's a really strong midfield. Um, there's some nice potential for attackers. There's some really talented young kids. I thought on balance, this would be a competitive side. And, and I feel like it should be. Now, I do think that there were mistakes made in how this team was deployed for, you know, during Chris Armis's time. Um, and that, you know, that plays into your percentages, right? You can have talented players, but if they're not playing to their strengths, then what does that do? Um, and I think, I think that's a lot of the frustration for this team, right? Is that it's not, it's not TFC the early days when we were like, just, you know, we'd have a couple good players and the rest was like, oh, you know, this was a, you know, maybe not as deep a team as TFC has had maybe a couple years ago, but still like this isn't when players are healthy. And that was, you know, that's also obviously contributed to it. A lot of injuries, holy fuck, a lot of injuries. Um, this is still a pretty deep side. So like, if you look at, yeah, if you compare them to other teams above them, wait right up to like maybe the top four there's a lot of you you can fill in a lot you can draw a lot of lines right they'll be like yeah this would match up here this would match up there when everybody's playing to their best ability when everyone's playing to what would be best for them as a player and again we've only seen that in little chunks and little snippets and that is that's where those that's where those margins fall, right? And, and you know, and then the thing that has always driven me crazy about TFC, except with the exception of like one season, and this includes under Greg Vanny. Like I again, it took me a long time to warm up to Greg Vanny, and I appreciate everything he did for this club, and he surprised me a lot of the time. Um, but for somebody who was a defender, an all-star defender. Uh, this conversation what? again? <laughs> yes. Forever and ever. Amen. How does this team not know how to defend? Holy fuck. How do they still not know how to defend? Like how I just, and, and, and you have, you have strong defensive players, like people that this is what they do. And yet None of them seem to remember how any of that works on a consistent basis. And it drives me mental. And yes, part of it's because I was a defender when I played. So I'm very partial to this kind of thing, but to see, you know, that was a big part of TFC season was, was goal concession and how often they did so and how early they did so. Um, and it took them until two thirds of the season before they found a way to come back into games because that first goal knocked them flat every single time. And that was what was hard to watch was to see that this team of competitors, many veterans, veterans of championship winning side, you know, winner of trophies, that sort of thing would let a goal knock the wind out of their sails i don't know we could yeah. you know yeah. we could literally the, um, go on that the fragility the fragility has been a word that that has, has struck with me 
that has stuck with me and struck me a lot throughout this season. The way that that a team like you said who have you know gone into Azteca or that even beat Club León in the preseason, as we were so fondly reminded uh, many a time, that that they couldn't find that next gear. And I, I think that I think that goes to to what I was saying about. You're a team that that needs to go through a transition and recognizes it. And then you go into the next phase of that. And the person who was going to be the person who was going to be one of the architects of that leaves. And so now you're sort of scrambling to fill that hole. And then and then the season sort of gets away from you. And and I think what I mentioned about maybe maybe that Nashville defeat was a was a bit of a warning sign. Was I think I think they used up all the gas in their tanks to to make it through that season and to see that season to the finish line. And and when this year came around and when things weren't better and when they were playing in Florida again and then you know you bring in a guy like Chris Armas who who I think was was meant to be a sort of um, meant to be a sort of a catalyst, a guy, a guy that could motivate the guys, a, a guy that would, you know, if the players didn't have the energy, Chris was going to find that energy and he was going to imbue them with his energy. I, I've never seen somebody who was as rambunctious on a Zoom call as Chris Armas was. Um, <laughs> I think, I think that was the thought process. And and when push came to shove, there, there just wasn't gas in that tank. You know, I think, I think that the clock, in professional sports is always ticking. I, I think I said that earlier when we were talking about CPL managers and, and what the future holds. And and this was a group that, that because of the way that the last couple of years had played out, had too much work to do in the time that they had to do it. And then the complications of right now um, were too much. You know, how do you, how do you find the right manager in that sort of window when, when you're in a situation that has Thierry Henry leaving Montreal because of the strain that it was going to put on his family to stay in that role. I think that's sort of the, the, the message that, that he gave. And, and that was a factor in Greg Vanny, you know, deciding that this wasn't the place for him to be. How do you, how do you make the right decision in a situation where your hands are a little bit tied by circumstances? How do you add the right players when that's going to be a factor in, in recruitment? Like how do you sell a guy on, yeah, so you're going to come to Toronto and it's great, but no, you're not going to play home games. And, and yeah, you can bring your family that they're going to be sitting in a resort barricaded with you in Florida. Like, I think, I think that was what was behind the decision to run out the same group again was the hope that that little bit of consistency and unity and you add in a little bit of youth and, and you hope that that Armist enthusiasm could power them through the hard times. But I, I think they've just, run out of gas and, and there was no way to fill that up in the middle of the season. And there's no way to, there's no way to fix tiredness. It, it just takes time and it's going to take some time to, to get things right. They, they need this season to be over. I, I feel like they, they probably needed this season to end around the time of that loss to DC United. And they need to go sit on a beach and not look at each other for a little while. And then when they come back, figure out what it is that they have and, and what changes need to be made. And, and I know that's that's a really incomplete uh, answer for sort of you know what's wrong with TFC. It's a very big question. Uh, it is a very big question, and it was mean of me to ask you, but I, you I often have you 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 always yeah. come to us with a different perspective, um, uh, I'm still which we appreciate. I'm still working through it. We we haven't 
one of the one of the things that's been difficult to tell this team's story this year has been that you know a lot of times you you pick up the vibe of a place just by being around it you know you see guys in the locker room or you see guys in the training ground and and you know aside from aside from a brief glimpse of Justin Morrow when he came up to the press box to to say hello to everybody you know, um during the Voyagers Cup match I haven't seen one of these players face to face in in a year and a half. You know, I, I never spoke with Chris Armas in person. I, I haven't spoken with Javi yet in person, and so it makes it really tricky to to get a real read of things. You know, Zoom is is wonderful for what it for what it does, but it's not a sacrifice. It's not a it's not a replacement for for face to face contact and, and getting the sense that you get. So it's been a it's been a really a really disjointed season in a lot of ways. And and I'm hopeful that we'll get some answers um, when we have the end of season media stuff, but I, I wouldn't hold my breath on that. I think this is going to be one of those things that, that, you know, we talk about over the next five, 10 years, depending on how things go and, and the tale sort of, you know, unfolds as, as it does. Yeah. What James said. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like maybe, we leave it at that. The only thing ahead, I want no, the only thing I want to, I kind of want to just circle back to is the Vanny part of it. I think, I think you, I think it's an often not overlooked, but kind of glossed over. We just kind of figured that whoever the new person was going to come in was going to resume service just the way it was before. Yada, mm-hmm. yada, yada. Everything is great. They won't be as good. They're getting a little older, but you know, still be successful. And we had that glimmer of hope at the beginning. becoming the champions of mexico it was amazing for 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 a hot minute and a half it felt so good but then yeah the we all saw how it went but i again like i feel like vanny was far more important to how the machine was run than we really gave it credit for and 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 yeah i think I mean, hindsight 2020 and all that, but I kind of feel like, and not to say that I want, I would want him back. I'm hope he's happy where he is, but if he were here, I don't know if they would be as, shall we say results, you know, uh, deficient. I think they'd be at least a little better than this. Yeah. It's, it's always possible that, that things were going south and it was going to go that way anyways, but. Oh Yeah. You can only manage so many so many complications at the same time, and and this is a team that that has too many too many question marks and not enough answers. And I think if we look at what Javi's done in it, in his time in the role, I think I think he he has looked to to lay the foundation for the team to make it through the rest of this season, and and maybe while making it through the rest of the season check off some of the boxes that they I have love to, Coach Abby. to make for next season. Yeah, the notebook is great. The, the notebook is great. The stopwatch, stop the website. Classic. I no, I, I honestly, you know what? I have a I have a lot of time for him. And I don't I doubt that he will get an opportunity next season. Um, because that's not the way MLSE operates really. Greg Vanny notwithstanding, it's not quite the same situation. Vanny was already in the organization has a little more MLS cachet than uh, than Perez does. Although, man, you look at what he, you look at his, his training, what he's, you know, what he knows, what he's accomplished in his short career. And I'm just like, damn, 
I really like him. I have a lot of time for him. Um, we'll see. It'll be interesting to watch the next few matches down the stretch. Speaking of, and I realize this isn't on the rundown, so we're just going to do this really rapid fire. Uh, TFC play Montreal this weekend at home. So they do. And uh, those are always games rife with, you know, emotional underscoring and underpinnings and stories. And, you know, it is the Two Solitudes Derby and all those things. Yes, that's what I call it. I refuse to call it anything else. You will survive. Um, Debatable. I don't care. Um, we don't have time because this show is going to be two hours with just yeah, the three going. of us. It's going Duncan and Tony. This is this is their fault. This always happens though when it's only three of us. Suddenly the shows get longer because we think, oh, we have more time. Do um, we? But uh, do you have a player to watch from Montreal, James? Oh, player to watch from Montreal. Mm, I've quite enjoyed what I've seen from Schwarnier of late. He seems to be yeah, uh, that's really that's a good, lively, good Canadian guy to keep an eye on. Um, you know, aside from that, the usual pieces um, come to mind. But yeah, I'll, I'll stick with Schwarnier. Uh, uh, Fanny, the keeper. Oh God, uh, is he? Is, is, he still, uh, is he still the keeper there? Roger? I was gonna say, is he? Is he still the keeper there? Hey, look, if not, it's Wanyama. Either way, uh, I was gonna say or Wanyama. Yeah, yeah. that's 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 oh, that's oh, that's the next. Uh... Only because I still can't figure out if that experiment is actually working or not. But uh, uh, it's hard to say. But, like but the, I think sometimes it's working, and then I'm like, oh, what was the point of this? Yeah, but otherwise, yeah, it's uh, one of those two. So whichever one you don't want, Kristen, I'll take the other one. You can have Wanyama. I'll go with Kyoto because ah, Kyoto. Yeah, good call. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I was I was almost sure you were going to say Mihailovic. He's really been uh, the straw that I, stirs the drink for them this year. Yeah, I know. Like, I I'm trying to avoid the super obvious uh, person who's likely to do us damage and go with the next level down, which is Kyoto. So yeah, or Winyama, but it's Kyoto in this case. Um, score predictions. TFC are at home. They're coming off, you know, a devastating loss. Thoughts? 2-1 Montreal. Fair. James? I'd go 2-1 Toronto. Uh, Harkening back to my point of there are some games that TFC has a hard time getting up for, and uh, Wednesday in Miami falls into that category, whereas Mm -hmm. uh, a home game against Montreal falls in the other one. So let's say 2-1 TFC, Jaquiel Marshall-Ruddy scores a goal. Oh, nice. I like yeah, that. I, I'm I like actually, I'm actually going, well, I, I'm going three, one TFC. Whoa. I know. Because Altador and Schaffelberg and Marshall. Tequil, yeah, actually. Yeah. I think those so are all different. reasonable choices. Yeah. Josie's going to score Eduardo. one more goal before he's done. Yeah. Schaffelberg is going to continue to impress. And Shaquille is going to spend the next few matches showing why he should have been playing all season. I don't disagree with you, but uh, just in this, in this game, like you never know, you know, it's the, it's the same thing with, uh, Oh, TFC should have signed Mark Anthony K or TFC should have signed, you know, Jonathan David or, or Tejan Buchanan. You know, if guys don't take the paths that they took, we don't know what would have yeah, happened. Well, the, the Jaquil's here. So it's not his, it's not that he's not taking Jaquil the paths. They, they signed but, him. 
maybe not he playing wasn't it. ready. Maybe he wasn't ready. Maybe, but now he is. So I want to see him continue to uh, do good things. Yep. Um, but yeah. So all right. Well, this has been our insanely long show, and mm-hmm. that's what happens whenever you guys have me on. Yeah, it's true. It is true. We know better. Um, when you put James and I in the same place, it's recipe for long-windedness because we're both like to talk and we both have opinions and we both like to share them um mark thanks i appreciate your succinctness yeah. oh i appreciate your succinctness <laughs> yeah thanks for um, being here and uh follow me your on. willingness to let us just talk you're welcome i guess um <laughs> i'm so sorry <laughs> you know you know what no thank you james for coming on it's always a good discussion like i said it's a different perspective and we look at things a little bit a different way and uh i think we had some good chats so um dear listeners you got a bit of a bonus this week um one you got the delightful james grossi um two you got some extra driving time uh cardio time why are you selling um, the fact that this is long <laughs> at, the end, at the end this needs to go know, at the front I'm sorry. <laughs> at this point we're just like patronizing them patting them on the head good job you did so good getting through <laughs> made it all the way to the end that's so good it's like the monster at the end of the book um all right well I want to thank um, everyone for listening. Please join us next week when we talk about uh, the women's national team versus New Zealand. Um, see uh, what happens with uh, Hamilton um, when they get to play on home soil and TFC and whatever else is happening in the world of footy that we wish to talk about. I have been joined by uh, one quarter of the Vocal Minority Podcast. Half. No, I guess one half, because I'm part of it. Do you count yourself? One third? Yeah, I don't know. Don't... I get confused. This The, the, the matching for the, the panelists always throws me off. are you the math nerd? I know you I am, and then I get earlier. confused. I Jeez. did. And then I dashed it to bits. All right. Some hates fractions. Uh, to be found out there on the interwebs at KitNerdMark with a K, not a Q, Mr. Mark Hinckley. Thank you very much to everyone who continues to support this long-ass podcast every time we genuinely appreciate your support uh thankfully we don't we don't ask for the minute because we'd break some of you but all the same thank you we have shirts they're on zazzle.com you can find that link on our website uh and um yeah uh thanks for having me um out there on the interwebs at grossi g-a-r-g-r-a-w-s-e-e mr james grossi in honor of brevity i'll just say thanks it's been great to be back and i look forward to the next one in 18 months sooner (laughs) definitely sooner um as for me you can find me on the internet yes the entire internet at case knowles i've been your host chris knowles and until next week canada get used to it
Fagundes.